the letters OA Connect to 55498. We want to connect with you because as the people came up yesterday, we had them to fill out a card or a piece of paper with just a name, a phone number, and an email address. This isn't saying that you're becoming a member or partner of this ministry. It's that next month on the 22nd, it's the week before Labor or Memorial Day weekend, we're going to do another food pantry. And we just want to be able to connect with you and give you a heads up to say, hey, we're going to do this again, and we want to notify you. We don't, we don't want you to have to guess when it's going to happen. But this is part of the OA Connect to keep you informed of what's going on here. But also not just that, but we want we know that people have situations going on and we want to pray with you. We want to keep you in touch, but we also want to minister to you whatever way we can. So please, please reach out to us because it doesn't matter if you're a part of this church or maybe another church, another ministry, uh, a ministry in California or in Canada. We want to be able to support you and lift you up in prayer. Uh, and the last thing I want to say is, there are so many different ways with technology that you can give. Uh, and again, you help make this happen that the, through the food pantry. Um, and there are several ways you can give through the mobile app, uh, text to give, um, through social media. Go to our website, um, www.oawc.va.com. Uh, again, we thank you and we love you. So without any further ado, I'm going to go, we're, excuse me, we're going to go to the Lord in prayer and get right into the message on today. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you for you are so good and your mercy endures forever. Psalms 136 says it over and over and over again. Your mercy endures forever. Your mercy endures forever. And we thank you, Lord, that even in this new covenant, we are under grace. We are under grace and your grace is sufficient for us and your strength is made perfect in our weakness. Even as Sister Kathy testified, Lord, that in her weakest moment, you spoke to her and told her, who's going to take care of that child? Lord, and you, you put it back on her and gave her grace to press on and to take care of her daughter, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. So, Lord, we're going to delve into your word, and I pray for, Lord, expression and clarity of your word. Reveal it unto us, for all of us, Lord. Open the eyes of our hearts that we may receive, knowing that the victory is ours, and we are fighting against a defeated foe. And we don't have to go to Revelations to see the end, Lord. The end is spelled all the way through. The victory is all the way through your word, Lord. Hallelujah. And we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. All of God's people said amen. amen. Hallelujah. So we're talking about extreme makeovers. Extreme makeovers. Hallelujah. If you know your car needs some work on it and you have the money to get it fixed, why are you going to go to Advanced Auto and say, hey, just give me an air freshener. I just wanted to smell better. We're going to do that. We're going to do the extreme makeover. All right. So we're in the book of Nehemiah and we're talking about the things that Nehemiah uh, was called to do. But let's talk a little bit more. Pastor Wendy has done a fabulous job of giving us an introduction, but I want to delve into a little more about Nehemiah himself. So let's talk about this young man, Nehemiah. 
First of all, Nehemiah within himself, nothing is known of his youth. He's just one of those people that just kind of pops in, almost like a Enoch. Nothing is known of his youth. We only know that he is a king. He is a servant of king. And y'all help me. Our text. Yeah, yeah. What y'all say? Because, you know, you practice these words, you practice them, you practice them until the time comes for them to snap and say, hi, hike. All right. He is a cupbearer to the king. And what is a cupbearer? Back in those days, oftentimes to get to a political figure of someone important, they would often poison them. So he was a cupbearer or he was someone who washed over the things that the king drank. So how did he get this position? He went on Indeed. He went on Craigslist and said, hey, how do I get this position? All right. And so he was able to get in this position of prestige. Unlike uh, the book of Ezra and the book of Nehemiah mirror each other. And some people think that Ezra wrote the book of Nehemiah as well. And they were one book. And someone said, we're going to divide them. But no, Ezra was, was a priest. But Nehemiah was not a priest. He was a layman. He was just your average Joe who went on to, to gain a prominent position. But no, the Bible lets us know, and theologians have come up with the conclusion that no, these are two separate books written by two separate men, and Nehemiah was the author of that book. Now, and if you can imagine the excitement that Nehemiah, who is a cupbearer to the king, when he's just seeking God's face each and every day, He's loyal to the king, but he is first loyal unto God. And he's not saying, Lord, I want to go do something great. I want to do something fantastic. I want to go um, like go conquer a city. No, but one day God lays this thing on his heart. He's not seeking God, but we all get in trouble when we sing that song. Lord, if there's anything that you can, you're willing, I can't think of the exact words, if you can use anyone, Lord, you can use me. And the Lord says, see that brother there in the corner? Go speak to him. No, Lord, not anybody but him, Lord. <laughs> but Nehemiah opens himself up and he says, Lord, whatever you would have me to do. And guess what? God calls him to do something. He is, he works in a palace. He works next to the king. His hands have never been dirty. His nails are clean. And here he is about to do manual labor. But he, he's concerned because he's wondering, he's, he's protecting the king. Will the king release him? That's his great concern. Keep in mind that he's not been seeking God for this, but God has chosen him. So let's begin in chapter 2 of Nehemiah, beginning at verse 12. And I'm going to be using the New Living Translation for all of my readings on today, beginning at verse 12, and I'm going to cover several scriptures. Nehemiah chapter 12, excuse me, Nehemiah chapter 2, beginning at verse 12. If you have it, say amen. amen. All right. Turn a page or click over. So I arrived in Jerusalem after three days. I slipped out during the night, taking only a few others with me. I had told, not told anyone about my plans God had put in my heart for Jerusalem. We took no pack of animals with us except the donkey that I was riding. After dark, remember this, after dark, I went out 
through the valley gate, past the jackal's well, and over to the dung gate to inspect the broken walls and burned gates. Then I went to the fountain gate to the king's pool, but my donkey couldn't make it through the rubble. Hmm. So, though it was dark, I went up to Kidron Valley instead, inspecting the wall before I turned back and entered again at the valley gate. The officials did not know that I had been out there or what I was doing, for I had not said anything to anyone about my plans. I had not spoken to the Jewish leaders, the priests, the nobles, the officials, or anyone else in the administration. But now I said to them, verse 17, you know very well what I was, you know very well what trouble you, we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire. Let's build the wall Jerusalem of Jerusalem and end this disgrace. Verse 18. Then I told them about this gracious hand of God had been on me. And about my conversation with the king, they replied at once, yes, let's rebuild the wall. So they began the good work. Now the story changes. Verse 19. But when Samballat, Tobiah and Geshem, the Arab, heard about our plan, they scoffed contemptuously. What are you doing? Are you rebelling against the king? They asked. I replied. The God of heaven will help us succeed. We, his servants, will start rebuilding the wall. But we, but you have no share, legal right, or historic claim in Jerusalem. So let me ask you, this is the book of Nehemiah, Old Testament. What in the world does this have to do with us? This is about a city. And if we could leave right now, y'all pack your bags and we go over there right now. What does this have to do with us? Let me have that next slide up there, please. Bible history should not always remain a mystery. Bible history should not always remain a mystery. And there's a scripture I'm going to go to later on. That I believe we should all pray or we should always read or refer to any time that we study God's word. And I'll give that to you later on. So I want to give you three points that we're going to look at uh, for this message. Point number one, secrecy. Point number one, secrecy. In verse 12, and we're going to look at verse 12 and verse 16. In verse 12. He said, one, the secrecy. He said, I did what? I slipped out during the night, taking few others with me. I went out in the night. Now, we know nowadays it ain't safe to really be out at night. All right, y'all remember, please, y'all, and y'all that, that don't know me, you remember that song back in the 70s or the 80s, the freaks come out at night. All right. All right. And I told y'all, if y'all ever hear about me getting shot at night, it's because they broke in my house and shot me in my bed. All right. But he went out at night. He went out at night. 
And then verse 16 says what? The city officials did not know that I had been out there or what I was doing, for I had not yet said anything to them about my plans. Nehemiah looked at this as a, this is on a need-to-know basis. I know what God has sent me to do, but right now, until I survey and until I know all, excuse me, the secret is right now that I'm going to do what God has called me to do. And while I'm yet understanding and as God reveals it to me, it remains a secret. And I'm not being deceptive. And when I was in high school, I had a friend. um, His thing was he liked to do magic tricks. And he used to always tell me like car tricks and all these other things. And there used to be a, a magic store down on Granby Street, downtown Norfolk. And I would, we would go down there, and a deck of cars would cost like $10. And this was back in the 70s. And I was like, man, a deck of cars is like, I can go to get a deck of cars for a dollar anywhere else. He said, it's because of the secret. You're not paying for the material for a deck of cars. You're paying for the secret. And he would tell me, whatever you do, if I show you a trick, he would say, practice it, practice it, practice it. He said, because if you try to show it to someone else, and you haven't perfected it, they're going to figure it out the first time you do it. And so I would show someone else. He'd say, all right, now you can show someone else the trick. And then as I tried to show other people, I would say, all right, now practice it, practice it. And they would show somebody else, and I would, be, I would get so upset. But the thing about it is when God gives you something, until he tells you to reveal it to someone else, you are to keep it to yourself. Until God tells you, now is the time to reveal it. Even Jesus, there will come a time they would say, Jesus, why are you speaking in parables? And he could not reveal everything until the time was right. It wasn't that he would say, well, this project is too big and we don't have enough people. We don't have enough manpower. It's just that he knew what God had given him. And if you tell people too soon, he knew that there would be too much pessimism because at the very end, they began to challenge him. Do you have the right laws? Does the king know about this? Uh, um, Is it within the law that you can do those things? So he had to remain this on a need to know basis. So there was secrecy. And then the next slide. And I I just happened to be on Facebook the other day, and I saw this. It was just a, 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 I'm not going to take credit for it, but somebody showed me, or this was in a a series of, um, anyway, just put it up there. I'm babbling. Don't tell people your plan. Show them your results. But what are you doing? Uh, Thinking about having my house refinanced. Oh, well, you know, don't go to that bank, man, because uh, you, you, you used to be in the Navy, right? Yeah, they don't like Navy people. They like Army people. And it's like, what am I supposed to do? Go back in the Army and then say, hey, I was in the Army. You can't change certain things. Don't tell everybody your business. Don't tell everybody your business. Like, hey, I'm thinking about making some changes. Like, what are you doing? Uh, you know, I, I'm still working on it. You know, some things you can tell people about. Hey, I'm thinking about buying a car. Or what do you, 
What are you looking at? Uh, an SUV. Well, what kind? Oh, I haven't made up my mind yet. Oh, excuse me, I need to go. <laughs> certain people, you know, you got to cut them off. Some people, you know, you can't have certain certain conversations with. And certain people, you know, when you say certain words, it's going to tick. Oh, well, I won't say tick them off. It's going to trigger them. So don't go there with them. Point number two. Sovereignty. Let's look at verse 12. Let's go back to verse 12. In verse 12, he says, I slipped out during the night, taking only a few others with me. I had not told anyone else about my plans that God had put in my heart for Jerusalem. What? The plans God had put in my heart. The plans that God put in my heart. No one else put these plans in him, but God did. I thank God because, um, you know, we're because of COVID and we're having certain things. We're having to make adjustments and everything. And precious sister Holly walked through that door. He put a plan in her heart <laughs> that we needed her on this morning. It's certain things. That we know that God, only things that come from God. And as I stated before, that Nehemiah was a layman. I mean, granted, they didn't have air conditioning back then. They didn't have a lot of the amenities of, you know, running water. They had to go down to the river with buckets and all those other things. But he lived a life of, of prestige. He lived in a palace, but now he's going to have to conduct manual labor. And as we read on, they say it took 52 days to complete this work, not 52 consecutive days because they say it took three months. But there was so much that needed to be done. But the sovereignty of it was that this plan had to come from God. God did not call the equipped. He equipped the one that he called. I know we've heard that before. He did not call the one who was equipped. He equipped the one that he called. And then my last point is this. First, the secrecy. And you're not being deceptive if you don't tell everyone your business. You're not being deceptive. If someone asks you a question and you and your answer is just yes or no, you're not lying to them. The second point was the sovereignty. And then the last one is the survey. The survey. And I'm going to be reading verses again in chapter two, verses 13 through 15. After dark. I went out through the gate, excuse me, after dark, I went through the valley gate, past the jackal's well, and over the dung gate, and to inspect the broken walls and burnt gates. Verse 14. Then I went to the fountain gate to the king's pool, but my donkey couldn't get through the rubble. I don't have any deep revelation about that, but you know the very thing that you rely on, right when you get to the finish line, 
The very thing and the very way you like, God, I see how you're going to work this out. And the very thing that you think is going to get you there won't get you there. That donkey that got him that far said, nope, I'm not going to get you there. In verse 15, so though I was still, though it was still dark, I went up to the Kidron Valley instead, inspecting the wall before it, I turned back and entered at the valley gate. So what they say, what happened was he went through the valley gate, went to the right counterclockwise and basically made an entire loop around the city and came back again to the place where he started and surveyed the entire city. He surveyed the entire city. Now, I want to detour just for a second. Let's look at verse 19 and verse 20. No, 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 no. Tell you what. What are we going to do? Remember I said before, if we could take a, if we could take a plane, jump on a plane right now, we're going to get on uh, Sister Kathy's personal jet. We're going to be drinking the finest ginger ale known to man. <laughs> All right. And we could go over to Jerusalem right now and find the place in Jerusalem where this wall was built. What would it mean when we saw the rubble that was left? Before we read our Bibles, give me uh, Ephesians chapter 17, excuse me, chapter one, verse 17. Before we ever read our Bibles, and you don't have to read this verse, but we should be praying a prayer along this line. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. And it says, asking God, the glorious father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight that you may grow in the knowledge of God. The words on those pages mean nothing to you. No more than reading Time magazine or Reader's Digest or any other book without asking God, Lord, give me wisdom and insight that I may grow in the knowledge of you when I read your word. Lord, give me wisdom and insight when I read your word. Because... <laughs> And let's just be honest. How many times have you ever opened the Bible, read it, and when you got done, you were like, what did I just read? The, the law gave grace to life of the prophets, and the law was life, and the law, and the... <laughs> and without studying the word, that's why the Bible says study the word. It doesn't say read the word to show yourself approved. It says Study. So that's why we need to continue to ask God to give us knowledge. So this is why I asked. This is why I'm, I'm getting into why are we reading this? What does Nehemiah rebuilding the wall have to do with us today? So I gave you three points and I want to give you an application. Let's do a self-examination. Let's survey your or 
take the why off and say, let me survey my damage, our damage. See God about yourself. I didn't want to spell these scriptures out. Didn't been a whole lot of other slides. Psalms 139, verse 23, 24. You probably heard, may have heard it before. It says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my ways. If there be any wicked way in me, show me in a way everlasting. But in this same psalm, David said, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I love this is this is probably one of my favorite psalms because he says, where can I go from my from your presence? He says, if I make my my bed in the other most parts of the sea, where can I flee from your presence? But in the very end, he says, Lord, but whatever is in me, that's not like you, Lord. Search me. And we can find so many scriptures that say that that would coincide with this. And when I say seek God or survey our damage, find someone who loves you to survey your damage. And when I say loves you, who would look you in the eye and say, you jacked up. And I don't mean to hurt you and to tear you down. And I, when I say loves you, I'm talking about agape love. Agape love. Number two, God will use anyone. Nehemiah was a layman. He wasn't a priest. He didn't sit in the hierarchy places. Nehemiah chapter 1 verse 6. He says, I'm a man who, who prays, and I'm paraphrasing. He says, I'm a man who prays. He said, but I'm also a man who has sinned before you, God. And then verse 11, he says, but Lord, I'm coming before you, a man who was once the king's cupbearer. So it doesn't matter where you where you started from, as the saying goes, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. So God will use anyone. God will use anyone. And then the last one. Be careful who you talk to. And when you let others know. Chapter 2, verse 12. And then chapter 2, verse 16 and 17. And while you're writing, I'll say those. Chapter 2, verse 12. He said, I slipped out in the night and only took a few others with me. Mind you, he said he took them with him, but he didn't tell them what he was doing. Maybe he felt like he needed security because he had only arrived in the area. He didn't know the people in the area. Maybe he felt like he needed a, a security force with him. He took them with him, but he did not tell them what he was doing. But then verses 16 and 17, at the end of 16, he said, I had not yet spoken to the Jewish leaders, the priests, the nobles, the officials, or anyone else in the administration. And then 17 says, but now I said to them, you know very well the trouble we're in. And at the end, they even said, let's rebuild the wall. 
They said, let's rebuild the wall. Because guess what? He heard from God and they agreed. And then the last thing I want to say, you got to watch out for, for the naysayers. That's not in my script, but verses 19 and 20. Sam Ballot and Tobiah and Gershom. You're going to have your haters. You know what God has placed in your heart. You know what God is telling you to do. And when you get up off your knees and you go to work or you go over your neighbor's house or you go over whoever's house, and you're like, man, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And they're like, so what do you, what's your plans for today? Or what are you going to be doing next? Ah, blah, 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 blah. And then here come Sam Ballot. Here come Tobiah. And they're like, what are you doing? Aren't you rebelling against the king? Don't you know if you do that, the IRS is going to come after you? Don't you know with COVID going on, man? You can't do that with COVID. And no, oh, by the way, y'all, I just got my second shot yesterday. I feel good. Pastor Wendy <laughs> texted me yesterday. She was like, how are you feeling? I feel good. And then verse 20 says, God in heaven will help me. Don't say us. God in heaven will help me to succeed. So this is our application for today. This may be Old Testament, but it applies to us today. This applies to you today. There, are some, there is some destruction that has happened in all of our lives. It doesn't matter how many times you have fallen. It doesn't matter how many times you have been attacked. Even Paul was attacked. The Bible says that the enemy sent a thorn. In his flesh. And he prayed three times. But God wouldn't remove it. Second Corinthians chapter 12 verse 9. But God said my grace is sufficient for you. And my strength. If God took everything away from you. Then eventually we would feel like. You know something. I'll just pray and it'll go away. I'll pray and it'll go away. I'll pray and it'll go away. We don't serve a microwave God. But it's not that God wants us to suffer. But it's that God wants us to continue to trust him. He wants us to trust him. We thank you and I pray and I believe that the word that has been spoken today, it did not come from me. It came from God. Remember the secrecy, the sovereignty, and the survey. Survey your life. Talk to someone. Seek godly counsel about the things in your life. And maybe there's some things you don't realize you're doing or certain things about your past that you don't know are still there. God loves you and God wants the very best for you. So we're going to bow our heads in prayer and just believe the Holy Spirit is going to seal this word in your heart. Amen. So, Father, we thank you and praise you for that which you have already done and that which you continue to do. There is absolutely nothing that, come, come, that confronts us, Lord, that you are not already aware of. 
Lord, there is no temptation such as common to man that you, Lord, in your infinite wisdom have not already made a way for escape. But with the temptation, Lord, you have made a way of escape. Hallelujah, Father. We thank and we praise you. Lord, and I thank you that even as the sower sows the word, we thank you that these seeds have fallen upon good ground and it's being watered, Lord. We know the enemy would like to come in and take this seed away before it can become watered and become fertile and sow a hundredfold. But thank you, Lord. Seal it, Holy Spirit, and bring it back to their remembrance that we will continue to study ourselves, to, to study, to show ourselves approved. And I thank you, Lord, for those that are watching on any form of social media, whether it be today on Sunday or another time throughout the week. And for those who don't know Jesus Christ or need to rededicate their lives to you, Lord, I speak peace and pray a word of salvation. Lord Jesus, come into my heart, Lord, and I give my heart back to you. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you. We love you. And we pray again that you will continue to support this ministry in whichever way God leads you. Thank you. And we love you. Until next time. Hallelujah. We love you. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, while we're still uh, still sitting here, let's not sit here any longer. It's offering time. For those of you that have your gifts, um, for some reason, well, I won't say for some reason, I've just gotten in the habit as soon as my check hits the bank, I tithe. I don't wait till Sunday. That's just the beauty of um, of modern technology. But whenever, however, you uh, tithe or give your offering, we are just so grateful. Again, that's what helps us to do what we do, such as on yesterday. We thank God for um, for the connection. Uh, we know several people, um, several families, many families were blessed on yesterday, but um, we were able to pray for some. Uh, just continue to lift up the community. Mr. Holland, uh, my apologies. Who was the gentleman that came out with you yesterday? Oh, Stepdad. Stepdad? All right. Thank you for sharing him with us. <laughs>